You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com. Hey, podcaster, before we get to this next message and our break free series, I want to invite you to come join us in person for a special service on January 28th. We have guest speaker Jim McComas coming to be with us, and Jim lost his son Matthew to heroin. And ever since, he's been traveling around the nation sharing Matt's story and the hope that he has, uh, the hope that has helped him break the chains of of grief and addiction. And he's sharing that message with addicts and the family and friends of addicts and the family and friends of those uh, that have lost someone uh, to addiction. And so we would love for you to come and be with us because we're hoping to have several guests with us that day. We're holding services at 9.30 and 11 on January 28th. Instead of our usual one service at 1030. So come join us at 930 or 11 on the 28th and be a part of that very special service as we seek to break the chains of addiction. Now let's get into this next message in our break free series and we'll talk about running hard to nowhere. On March 17th of 2008, four inmates of the Kinross prison in Michigan accomplished an extraordinary feat. They finished their tunnel from the hole that they had made in the cement floor of their cell, out under two rows of fencing to outside of the prison next to a road. It had taken them two years to break through the cement and dig the tunnel. Every night, they would work eight to ten hour shifts, digging the tunnel with a cereal bowl, taking the dirt and filling plastic bags with the dirt to sit in the room, and then every night before it was time for lights on, they would have to take all of those bags of dirt and place them back in the tunnel to hide them. Towards the end of their digging, it would take them three hours every night just to get all of the bags of dirt into the cell so that they could continue digging. And then they would have to spend that three hours again before lights on to put all of the bags back. They had used uh, a drill bit and a broken piece of chair to chisel away at the concrete. They had taken cold water and gotten the concrete as cold as they could and then poured hot water on it to try to make it crack and break so that they could then bust it up. It had been an incredibly difficult journey. But on March 17th, they were done. But there was a problem. The person that they had lined up to meet them at the road just outside the prison to drive them away couldn't make it that day. So they had to delay their escape one week. And so they decided on March 24th, that Saturday, we will go at midnight. When it's dark and the guards are nowhere near around, they would push through the last little bit of dirt cover the hole with a white piece of cardboard, and then shovel more snow back on it so it wouldn't be noticeable. So they were all set to go on March 24th. On March 23rd, there was a random inspection, and all of the cells were tossed. You feel sad for them, don't you? I mean, these are hardened criminals trying to escape from prison. But you kind of feel bad for them. They put all of this effort and work in. And when one of the guards came to move towels that were hanging over one bunk, she stepped on a soft place in the floor, which was the thin piece of wood they were using to cover their hole. 
And when she pulled back the mat, she saw that there was a large hole in the ground. She assumed that they had dug a hole to hide their contraband in when cells were tossed. And they were found out. And each one of them received more years on their sentence and time in the hole. And they were never allowed to be in the same cell together again. They worked so hard, but there was no one waiting on the other end. And while I read that story, I thought of many people who work so incredibly hard. They are digging their way out. They're running as fast as they can. They're putting in every every drop of effort that they have within themselves to break free from the sin that holds them back, from the heartache that they're trapped under, from the grief that they can't seem to escape, from the addiction that keeps clawing its way back into their lives, and they work hard and hard and hard, and then they find that there's no one waiting on the other end. And all of their effort and all of their work has been in vain. Friend, let me tell you this morning that if we are going to break free, there must be one who is waiting for us to carry us to freedom. That no matter how hard we work, no matter how fast we run, no matter how persistent we are, there is nothing waiting for us on the other side if He is not there. All that will be awaiting us is more running and more work. Today, as I talk to you about breaking free, I want you to see first and foremost that it doesn't matter how hard we work or how fast we run, we will not get anywhere if Christ is not with us. Last week, Eric did a great job of showing us from God's Word in the book of Genesis that experience is not the missing ingredient. That it isn't that we just need more experience. That once we've experienced enough, then we'll be able to figure out how to make a change in our lives for things to truly be different. Today I want to point out that it's not experience and it's not hard work. You see, many people right now are thinking 2018 is going to be the year that's different because I learned all of those lessons, some of them the hard way, in 2015 and 16 and 17, and I'll I'll know better in 2018. But that won't make the difference. There are many people who are saying, I just I didn't try hard enough in 2017. I didn't have enough willpower. I didn't have enough strength. But I am determined and I am focused and I have written down all of my plans and my goals and there's nothing that's going to keep me from accomplishing it this year because I'm going to work harder than ever before. I'm going to give 110%. But it'll be in vain. Experience and hard work are, are great virtues. They're incredibly beneficial. They will take you far in life. But they will not help you break free from sin and grief and addiction on their own. They are not able to give you new life. I just finished an interesting book written by Sheryl Sandberg. She's an executive at two small companies you may have heard of, Google and Facebook. She's written several books about women in leadership and in business. She's spoken at large conferences, including TED Talks. But this book, she wrote about the experience of losing her young husband to a massive heart attack 
while they were on vacation. He was in his early 40s, had shown no signs of ill health, was running on a treadmill while on vacation and collapsed and passed away. She had to return to the States from their Caribbean vacation and tell their two young children that their father would not be coming home. And she talked about how even though she's had this, this leadership acumen, she's had this, this impressive resume. And she's led large companies. And she wasn't sure how to lead herself or more importantly, her children, out of the grief that they found themselves in at the loss of their husband and father. In the book, she talks about lessons that she learned through the two years that followed his passing. She spoke of one friend of hers who had struggled with addiction her whole life, but in coming to help Cheryl and their family, she found new purpose in in, in a new way to serve and show love and recognized that some of the addiction that she battled with stemmed from the same thing she'd experienced when she was a child and her father had passed away. And when she finally was free from her addiction, she said this to her friend, you can't outrun any addiction. You must heal. And that takes a love that no one else can provide. And I want to just change that a little bit for you and make it the synopsis of my message today. You can't outrun or outwork despair. You must heal in the love and power of Christ. And if you're here today and you've been struggling to break free, to push past some setback, some tragedy, some heartache, some sin, some addiction... I want you to know that it is only in the power and love of Christ that we are ever truly free. And I think in Luke chapter 5, we watch one of Jesus' disciples realize that in real time. And so if you would look with me at Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, we're going to read 11 verses here and watch how Peter comes to this realization. Jesus is teaching a crowd. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed Upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust him out a little from land, and he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. So many people that Jesus gets in the boat to push off from shore a little bit so he can address everyone. He can use the water to amplify his voice. And now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch back out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught, for a catch. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. Now, I've heard some of you talk about the incredible fishing trips that you've had. And I think that some of them are a little bit of an exaggeration. 
But here, two boats are so full of fish that they're sinking. The nets are breaking. Verse 8 says, When Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, for from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. This is the beginning of Jesus and Peter's relationship as we have it recorded in the life and times of Christ. This is the beginning of a long relationship where Peter would be so relatable to us. Because what we see happening again and again throughout the Gospels is Peter starts to show signs of progress. He starts to show signs that he really gets it. And then he does something a little foolish and demonstrates that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's incredibly relatable because there are times where he seems to make progress and then there are times where you wonder, does Peter get it at all? And it reminds me of myself. Because there are times, there are moments that I feel like, yeah, I'm understanding this Jesus thing. I'm understanding the gospel and how it makes an impact in my life. And there are other times that say, do I understand anything about this at all? How could I say the thing that I just said? How could I do the thing that I just did if I'm truly following Christ? If you want to be encouraged about your own spiritual development, read the life of Peter throughout the Gospels and see that he's a lot like us. He's a mess. In this first introduction between Peter and Jesus, Jesus says, Peter, go back out in the water and put your nets back out again. And Peter says, Master, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Do you know what it is to toil? I mean, have you gone to work and come home and you didn't work, you worked. You didn't work, you labored. You've come home exhausted. You've come home because you couldn't work another hour. Maybe you've experienced that work. Maybe you've experienced it in a relationship. It's been a whole lot of work. Maybe you've experienced it with raising your children. It's been a whole lot of work. You've toiled all night with them. Maybe you've faced it in your own battles. You've you've worked and you've toiled. And at the end of the night, you've taken nothing. That's what Peter and his partners had experienced. They had fished all night and caught nothing. Now, for some of you, I know that that sounds like, hey, that sounds great. I'll do that tonight, man. I will fish all night, even if I don't catch anything, right? Bad day fishing, better than uh, the best day working, right? This isn't Peter is sitting in a boat throwing his line out and watching a bobber. This isn't hanging with your buddies and fishing through the night. This is throwing nets in the water and dragging them back up. And so when Peter says, we have toiled all night, he's not exaggerating the effort and labor that would have gone into that. They have worked all night. They're ready to go home. They've got nothing to show for their efforts. 
But Jesus says, try one more time. Go back out one more time. And I believe wholeheartedly that there are some people here right now that you can identify with Peter in this moment. You feel like someone who's worked all night and had nothing to show for it. You feel like you've toiled and you've labored and you're empty-handed. And you hear me saying, let's give it one more shot. And you're like, I just tried that and it didn't work. You hear me preaching the beginning of this new year. You're like, Pastor, I tried that last year and it didn't work. But something's different in this moment because Jesus is taking the lead and he's giving them instruction. Jesus says, go back out and drop your nets for one more catch. And Peter says, we've told all night and taken nothing but for your word because you ask, we'll go one more time. And for those of you that you're at your breaking point, you've toiled all night, you've taken nothing. For those of you who are discouraged, let me encourage you to, to go out one more time. Not because I asked you to, but because the Lord's calling you to. He's calling you to. So in that moment, they go back out and they let down their nets. And what happens is extraordinary. Because out in the same lake where Peter and his partners who are fishermen for a living have been working all night, suddenly there is success. Where there had been no success, nothing but failure, there is now success. And it wasn't because Peter and his friends hadn't tried hard enough. And it wasn't because Peter and his friends didn't know what to do. They knew how to put down a net. They knew how to fish. They had done it all night. The difference was not their experience or their work ethic. The difference was Jesus. And friend, I'm going to tell you that if there's going to be any difference this year, it's not because you work harder or you work smarter. It's going to be because you follow Him. Because you let Him take the lead. And what happens in this moment is extraordinary. And Peter comes to believe that Jesus is powerful enough that He can summon in a moment what Peter could not accomplish in a lifetime. He comes to believe Jesus can summon in a moment, Jesus can accomplish in a moment what I cannot accomplish in a lifetime. And that's not just true about fishing, that's true about all of life. You can work your entire life to overcome something and get nowhere, and Jesus can accomplish it in a moment. So place it in His hands and follow His lead. That's what needs to happen for you this morning. You need to see what you've been working so hard for, what you've been giving all your effort to, what you've been trying to get overcome, to leave behind, what you've been trying to build or buy or become. He can make it happen in a moment. So follow His lead. But Peter has another realization here that takes a little bit longer to process. Because Peter's first reaction is, For Jesus to be this powerful, I don't deserve to be around him. So Peter runs to Jesus' feet and says, depart from me. I'm a man of sin. I'm a man who's done wrong. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve to come in contact with this kind of power. I have done nothing to deserve this. And, And Peter goes from saying, I've worked all night, to I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve this. 
He recognizes that he has no place in the presence of the Lord. He says, depart from me. I do not deserve to be near you. But Jesus not only demonstrates his power to Peter, he demonstrates his willingness to be around Peter. He says, don't fear. You're going to follow me. And we're going to stop fishing for fish, and we're going to start fishing for men. You're going to have a completely different purpose in life, Peter. And some of you this morning, you need to not only realize that God has the power to change your life, that He wants to change your life. He wants to be a part of your life. Some of you think, yeah, maybe God could help me, but He doesn't want any part of me. I've made such a mess of things. I'm a man of sin like Peter. God wants to be a part of your life. He's initiated this conversation. He came to Peter. He said, go back out. And there is a reason that you're here this morning. And the reason is that God is seeking you out. He's initiating a conversation with you. He's sending you back out into the water. He's telling you, let me show you what I can accomplish in your life. And I'm not just doing that so you can know and I'm going to walk away. I'm doing that so you can know I want to be a part of your life. I want to change things for you. And so if there is any person here who says, yeah, God, God's great and He's powerful, but I've messed up too much. God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to come in and rescue you. He wants to come and save you. Jesus is calling He called to Peter. He came to Peter. He's calling to you. So when Peter begins to recognize this, as these beliefs sink in, he experiences a profound change. Peter was suddenly different, deep in the marrow of his bones. So much so, But the next action is him walking away from the greatest catch he's ever seen and his boats and his nets and his livelihood. Once Peter believed, fishing was not important anymore. I know know some of you are like, wait a minute, fishing is always going to be important to me, Pastor Daniel. But in this moment, he realized... That Forget that. I'm sticking with this guy wherever he goes. I'm staying with him. And this is when Peter has a breakthrough. This is when he changes. This is when he goes, through, goes from toil and struggle to trust and belief. Because he didn't just find a new way to fish. He didn't find an easier way to get what he wanted. He found a whole new purpose in life. Did you get the distinction? You see, there, there would have been a lot of people who when they saw this would have been like, Jesus, what's your secret? How did you know where the fish were? Jesus, teach me to fish like that. Jesus, we, we want you to go in business with us. We want you to be our new fishing partner. We will give you your own boat. You don't have to go on a boat. You can stay on the shore. Whatever you want. But please help us catch this many fish every day. But that wasn't Peter's take. Peter didn't say, wow, this Jesus guy can give me what I want. Give me what I feel like I need. No, he said, this Jesus guy, he's what I need. And I'm going to follow him. And friends, your relationship with God is not about him giving you what you want in life easier. It's not about him showing you how to get those things you're working for so hard without as much work and effort. It's about you realizing he's what you need, not the fish. I know that some of us were coming to Jesus because we're hoping he's going to maybe put a little bit more fish in our nets, put a little bit more money in our bank account, 
make our life a little bit more easy, make life work out a little bit more like we had hoped and we wanted. But that's not the reason he came. Jesus did not come to help Peter fish. He did not come to help us get more of what we think we want and need in this life. He came to show us He is what we need. And when we believe that, fishing and whatever else seems much less important. And see, many people look to God and they say, God, I want to break free from a current income level. I want to break free from a current situation. I want to be happier. I want to be more fit. I want things to work out a little bit more like I see on Instagram and in magazines. And so they can keep coming back to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, it's a new year and there's some new things I need you to help me with. There's some new fish I need you to help me catch. And Jesus is not interested in that. Not why he came. He caught these fish for Peter to show him what he was capable of, to show him that he had power, to show him who he was. And God is calling out to you today not to give you a little bit more of what you currently have, but to give you a completely different life, a completely new direction, a completely new purpose. You see, we don't break free by doing the same things or getting a little bit more of the same things. We break free by having a completely different purpose and direction in life. And I know that some of you, you come to church regularly, asking God to help you out with this problem. And, and we go a few months and it's, God, help me with this problem again. And it's come back next year. God, help me with this problem again. And you're just asking God to help you with a problem. And He wants to do so much more than that. He wants to do more than fill your net with fish. He wants to give you a whole new purpose in life. Now, let me tell you a story. I think we'll try to make clear what I'm trying to say. Carlos Whitaker is a Christian musician. And he told a story about his father, who was a pastor, a bilingual pastor preached in California in churches where he would preach the message in both Spanish and English. He'd say a sentence in Spanish and a sentence in English. He went down to Mexico to do a revival at one of the churches in Mexico. As he's concluding the message, this this little sweet old lady comes comes forward to the altar, and he assumes she's probably coming forward to pray for her children, pray for her grandchildren. She's crying, and she motions for him to come over and pray with her. And he goes over, and he's like, you want to pray for your children. She says, no, pastor, please pray that God would help me to clear the cobweb from my heart and mind. She feels like she needs to start afresh and anew in her relationship with the Lord. She feels like it's become old and stale and dusty to her, and she wants to start anew. So he prayed with her. It was on the first night of revival. Second night of revival, he finishes his message, and she comes forward again. Motions for him to come over and pray with her. What can, I, what can I pray with you tonight? Pastor, please pray that God will help me clear the cobwebs from my heart and mind. So he, he prays with her. Third night of revival. Guess what happens? He finishes the message. She comes forward. Motions for him to come and pray with her. She says, Pastor, please pray that God would help me clear the cobwebs from my heart and mind. And he said, No. She looked at him surprised, said, you won't pray with me? He said, I'm not going to pray that God clears the cobwebs. I'm going to pray that he finally kills that spider. (laughs) That's the reason that Jesus came. It's not to help us with these little aspects of our lives, not to come and make things just a 10% better in this area. 
He came to kill what is broken in us. What causes all these issues in our relationships and in our finances and in our happiness? He came to take away sin, to destroy that work in us, to make us new people. When Peter recognized who Jesus was and the power that he had, he followed him. And he didn't understand all of it. But he left everything behind to follow him. Some of you are facing the same cobwebs you faced before, again and again and again. You're facing some of the same battles that you've lost before, or through God's help, you've won occasionally. But God didn't come to help you clean out the cobwebs each January, or each Easter, or each Christmas, or every fall. He came to kill the spider. He didn't come to help you with this battle. He came to win the war. That's the reason he came. And he did. Some of us, if we're honest, we're in the crisis of the month club. It's the gift that just keeps on giving year-round. Stop living from crisis to crisis. Stop circling the same problems again and again and again. So, Pastor, how do I do that? What did Peter do? Verse 11 says, When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They left their profession, their boats, their nets, their fish. They left it all and they followed Jesus. When Peter recognized Jesus' power, he realized that he was welcome to be near Jesus. He left everything to be close to Jesus. To break free, you don't need to run super hard. You just need to run towards Jesus. And you can run hard all your life and get nowhere. But if you'll run to Jesus, he'll carry you to freedom. In the Old Testament, we're told the story of God's people being led out of Egypt in slavery to a place where God has promised them their own homeland. And they make their way through the desert. God does incredible, incredible miracles, keeping them alive, keeping them fed. And they get to the promised land, and they doubt that God is able to give them the promised land because it's filled with powerful people. And they're scared. So they end up going back out into the desert. And God allows them, leads them, causes them to wander in the desert for 40 years, just doing circles. Just doing circles. At the end of 40 years, God says, now it is time. Let's try this again. We will enter the promised land. But first, we're going to cross the Jordan River. And it's huge crowd of people. Crossing not a creek, not a stream, a river. And the priests are leading... And when their feet touch the water, the river stands on its head. It stops so that everyone's able to cross over on dry ground. And God delivers them across that river to the other side. And Joshua, who's the leader, he has 12 men each grab a large stone from the bottom of that river and place it on the shore on the other side to remind them that God delivered them through the Jordan. Now, here's what we do. We do the opposite of that. God delivers us, and we build monuments, and we 
memorialize the 40 years of circling that we have done. And we dwell on that. We should dwell on his deliverance to the other side, that he has helped us break free to the other side. You've got to forsake all and follow him, and it'll be a moment of deliverance. We bought the kids Kerplunk for Christmas. You remember that game? It's a game where you put all of the sticks in the middle of this jar, and then you pour the marbles on top. And everyone takes a turn pulling out a stick. And if the marbles fall when it's your turn, that's points against you. The winner is the person who has the fewest marbles. The loser is the one who has the most marbles. And if you know my four-year-old son and my seven-year-old daughter, you know that they have very distinct personalities. And so when it's Lincoln, my four-year-old son's turn, say, Lincoln, it's your turn, okay, and pulls out a stick. Just that fast. If marbles fall, it's hilarious. If they don't, no problem. He's got a stick to play with now. He enjoys the game no matter what happens. But when it's my daughter's turn, it's a completely different scenario. Haven, it's your turn. She wants to look at every stick. Wants to investigate where every marble is. And we've, we've had a little bit of trouble with her with this game because she wants to pull on sticks to see if any marbles move. And then, oh, I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to do this one. <laughs> Haven, once you touch a stick, you have to pull it out. I know that some of you right now, you're, you'd kind of like to maybe just kick the tires a little bit. Maybe just pull on a stick to see if anything's going to shake loose or not. You've got to forsake all and follow him. You've got to commit. You've got to step into the water. You've got to leave the boat behind. You've got to follow him. It will never break free unless we forsake all and follow Jesus. You've got to run after him. Don't keep circling. Don't need a new date on the calendar. Don't need more experience. Don't need more effort. You need to follow him. We'll break free when we run towards him. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.